Hey, welcome to the Mom Podcast. I'm Joel here with my dad. And I'm Rick. Good morning. Hey, so dad, um, you're assuming people are listening in the morning. but Everybody uh, listens in the morning, don't they? We're recording in the morning. <laughs> hey, so we have come to the end. We've been doing this, what has it been, like nine, ten weeks series based on the new book that I wrote called Connecting the Dots. Uh, March 14th was launch and, um, and actually is launch. That's actually next week. Uh, is when we're launching this and actually a you version devotional about it just went live as well. So if you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can take a risk on the book, you can get a free you version devotional and download that. That's you version Bible app that has a connecting the dots. Can't um, lose like that, right? You can't lose. And it's yeah. got all the, ma- the main concepts. Of course, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've got all the, got the main, the main concepts. concepts. Yeah. Yeah. So we are at the final, the final chapter which is what we call the message. So the general concept of the book, if you're, it's your first episode, is that God is always working in our lives. Some, most of the time we can't see it or understand it, but his work follows this circular pattern. Uh, Psalm 23 says, the Lord leads me in paths of righteousness. That Hebrew word path has this meaning of paths made of circles. So you go through these stages of life where there's these turning points that happen, life changes. Then you got to have a drum up some courage to, to face the new challenges. A guide shows up. Of course, our guide is the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a decision, a definitive decision you have to make. You got to go all in. Then there's a series of challenges we face. Usually those challenges culminate in some sort of a dark cave, or it's this moment where you kind of have to enter this cave empty-handed and alone, face off with the dragon. Usually the dragon's inside yourself, you find out. Then you emerge with this resolution time where you've learned something, and then you step out and you have this new perspective, but that's not where it ends. Uh, just having a life experience and just having a new perspective doesn't really help the world. And God calls us, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, it says in Ephesians 2. So the end, the culmination of the book is really you need, God has given you a message to share and a problem to solve with that message. And you were prepared for it through that circle, that season you just walked through. So we're on that chapter of the message. You've yeah. actually read the whole book, Dad. What was your take on that final chapter? Yeah, I thought that was actually, there was some real power in it. Because, you know, technically up to this point in time, it could be all about me. Mm. You know, if, uh, if, you know, it's that dog cat theology. Well, it's all about me. You know, it's all about me. Um, I, and um, which, which is what the world says. You know, that's yeah. what they tell you about your story. It's like, well, your story is your story, man. And nobody can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And God's all about making your life better. It's not about, you know. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, and, some, uh, and then, then when he, it seems like your life is going down the tubes after you start serving him, you go, what's going on here? So I think this book really helps explain that. Well, the subtitle, what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. And for many of us, <laughs> most of the time, life doesn't make sense Yeah, until you look back at it. And, and even sometimes then there are those mysteries. But I really think the power in this chapter was where you kind of sum it all up and you explain the difference between discovering the story of your life Because it'd be real easy to think, oh, this is all about me and discovering what my life story is. And then I can tell the world about me. Uh, But you talk about the difference between discovering the story of your life and the message of your life. Right. I I mean, that's the heading. It's called From a Story to a Message. And the reason I focused on that is because I literally every week get somebody that calls me and says, hey, I want to write a story about my life. Or they hand me a book you know, 140,000 word, 500 word tome. That's the story of every detail of their life. And they're yeah. like, this is so inspirational. And I'm like- Because everybody's told me they need, you know, when I tell my story, yeah. everybody says, oh, you need to put that in a book. And uh, I had a guy one time, he handed me his book is, you know, 
100,000 words probably. And he's like, God told me to put every word in here. I'm like, I'm sorry, but don't blame that on God. Your <laughs> lack of editing, don't blame that on God. Yeah. But that's, yeah. I've seen that over and over again. And we've all heard something. It's like, like, why do you keep, I understand your testimony is like really powerful, but why do you keep droning on about it? Because at some point they haven't shifted it to a message. The message, you know, yeah, the message is not about me. The story yeah, it might be about me. Well, it really should be about God too, because who are you? You well, know, so what? His story, his yeah, story, his yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I just I never really thought of it that way before. Uh, but I think you do it real clearly between the difference. Because I've had the same thing where people give me a book and I'm reading. I'm going, it's really hollow. Not to them. It's the most exciting thing in the yeah. world. Because I was wow, I was nope. born at a very early age. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and and nobody's ever lived a life like mine before. Never. Nobody's ever experienced these things. And and yeah, that's true. But so what? Who cares? And it is important in terms of God making you. Right. Yeah. The, what What your life, I mean, that's what this book is about. It's about looking back at God's hand in your life. But there, there's this sh- subtle shift that has to happen. Taking it from story to message that ministers to others. And and the other thing about that is, so I think the one power is just ah, delineating that so people can see clearly, because I'd never really thought of it that way. I never really knew why those stories seem so hollow. Well, because I didn't have a message. Mm. But then secondly, you even add, lay out some steps to do that. And so here's some practical steps to, because I, you know, I'm not, as you may have noticed, I'm not a real deep thinker. I'm not one that really ponders my life. And, you know, I'm not like Mary. She pondered these things in her heart. You know, I just kind of live at a surface level most of the time, move from situation to situation. Uh, God still does amazing things because I find if, you know, if you're one of those people, God can still use you if you'll just trust and obey and just do what he says, you know? Well, let's point something out here. We all <laughs> kind of go from one thing to another in life. Some of us just freak out about it more than others. You just kind of wander into it. The rest of us are like, what is God doing? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think that's the difference between an intuitive and the Myers-Briggs and a sensing is sensors just kind of take things as they come. Intuitives are like, I'm looking for the big picture. Yeah. And you're like freaking out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to figure, I don't know. I'm an intuitive if you haven't figured it out. (laughs) And I'm not. That's why I wrote a book called What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Yeah. (laughs) And with me, I don't know. It never makes sense, but it's okay. When you get to the end, it'll all work out, you know? Yeah. That's fine for you. I need to know now. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. All right. Anyway, I think you, 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 like I say, not only point out the importance of finding the message in your life, but give some practical steps to do it. Because that, that would be difficult for me. In fact, uh, you know, the book I wrote on um, Commission Every Nation, the story of what mm-hmm. God has done, the message of that. I hadn't really thought about, I was just telling you, I hadn't really thought about my own life and what God had done until you started talking to me about it and pointing out something. I was going, wow, yeah, that is true. Because again, I just sort of living it, you know, not... Uh, not pondering it and thinking about it and seeing it from some uh, 30,000 foot perspective. Which I honestly think is is a lot of the world. And most people, they're not sitting around philosophizing. They're trying yeah. to live, trying to take care of their family. And, but sometimes it's, uh, when life gets really hard, it's really good to have some perspective. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's hard is a lot of times you go, well, there's no way, there's no, you know, well, there's no answers here. I'm like, maybe there's no definitive answer well i think there is a definitive answer there may not be an immediate answer yeah and that's where i think this book is so helpful i've had multiple people that have already been reading it saying this has really helped me get some perspective on some stuff that happened that i didn't even see the connection between what i'm doing now yeah. and how god prepared me back yeah. then and that's my goal with it because man when you see that god's been working that really builds your faith. Yeah, it does encourage you because, again, a lot of times the random things that happen to us, you just go, man, what was that? You know, it's like the snail story you yeah. tell, you know, what, what was, was that, that all about? about? Yeah. yeah. 
And so, um, and it's the thing we, you know, I tell people all the time, there's like, we've all got that one season of life or that one job where we leave that out of our resume and you're like skipping along. It's like 2016 yeah. and then you go to 2018. Like, well, what happened in 2017? No, let's not talk, about, talk about, that. about it. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. But usually it's right there that God was doing some of his deepest work in that, that gap that we'd rather leave out of the resume yeah, yeah. or the story. That's another thing you, you mentioned is that, you know, your message is probably that part of your life you'd like to skip over. And, and I just think the book kind of helps you to uh, process through that some and see that God was at work in it and maybe even discover what he was doing yeah. in there. I have my own epiphany moment. And I think I, it's in this chapter, I think I talk about it, where I said, you know, I wrote that book, Vision Map. And it was about this process of starting Summit Leaders, the outdoor adventure organization. And everybody's yeah. like, wow, what a cool story, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, <laughs> what happened, there's this one chapter. So I started the organization. I went back and got a master's degree. And then I restarted the organization. But what I left out of that story, chapter, one of the chapters, and I think it was like 14 or 15, was literally everything that happened in this Connecting the Dots book. Because in my mind, the book was about vision. Yeah, and this this was the season where I had no vision. My only vision was survive and get out of here. Yeah, uh, but I left that whole this literally this whole book was that chapter I left out of vision map. So I told this story. I started the organization, and then we took a break, and then we rebooted. But this happened in between there. And at the time, I thought, wow, that was just a waste of a year of my young life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. For, there's no there there. Whatever they say. Yeah. You know. But now I realize that was actually deeper, more deeper in terms of transformation, what happened in that one year of life than all the rest. Uh, so it, it fits. Uh, it's just funny because when you write the book at the time, you don't think it fits in with the, the picture until you yeah. look really farther back. And that's what happened with vision map. It's, I leave out this whole chapter of the book. That's literally what's in this. It's a whole nother book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another thing for folks who are in that kind of, I, you just use that phrase. I wasted a whole year of my young life. You know, one of the things I've seen that I've, seen in your life that, that causes a lot of the stress is you tend to think it's a race. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm wasting my life, you know, and, and remembering, you got to remember sometimes that like Moses didn't even start anything. I mean, he wasted 40 years. Was it wasted? Apparently not. <sighs> he, he still accomplished some great things in his life, but it really didn't start until he was 80. Now, you know, most of us probably aren't going to live to be 120 or if we are, we're not going to be in good health to do it. But realizing that life is not this race. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, it is. Paul talks about, I've run the race. But it's not like we've got this, the goal is to please Jesus. And the goal is to stand before him and hear, well done. It's not to make some great name for myself. It's to make a great name for him. And so, you know, it may seem like you're in these wasted years, but you can be sure. And I think that's the message of this book, is that you can be sure that God is at work. And oftentimes in those dark times, and those difficult times, and those struggle times, that's when he's working the deepest in you. And another thing you mentioned here is out of your wounds. Mm-hmm. It's oftentimes out of those wounds. And you don't let your wound define you. It's so easy to think that, well, this is who I am. I had this happen to me. I did this. Either I did it myself or it was done to me. And that's for there's who I am and that's who I will be. And instead of letting that wound become the message of who you are, you know, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, I think, talks about may the God of all comfort comfort you in all your afflictions, you could turn that too to may all those wounds comfort you in all your afflictions so that you can comfort others with the same comfort you received. In other words, you now have a message because you went through that wounded period and let God heal you. You're not talking theory. You can say God did this and it's a real message. 
that, that you have. You know, Richard Rohr, one of the quotes I put in the back of the book, uh, he says, it has been acceptable for some time in America to remain wound identified. That is, using one's victimhood as one's identity, one's ticket to sympathy, and one's excuse for not serving, instead of using the wound to redeem the world. As we see in Jesus and many people who turn, turn their wounds into sacred wounds that liberate both themselves and others. Uh, that's exactly what you're talking about yeah. there, that it's really popular right now to, to be, you know, what's your level of victimhood? Oh, yeah. oh I'm a victim on so many levels. My, my, <laughs> uh, my dad left me. Um, I've been, you know, uh, confused about all these things in my life. And, and I was born into this family. Yeah, yeah, I, I was born with these handicaps. I was born with these disabilities. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's saying that's, I mean. And, and it's a safe place because you have nothing to say to me mm-hmm. because you didn't live what I lived. Right, but but it, it keeps your world small and you really bring nothing to the table other than just a bunch of yelling and ranting that you were victimized. And hey, so you what? probably were victimized. We all have been victimized in some way, some all worse than others. All of us have been wounded. But you wonder if maybe the deeper the victimization, the deeper the message you've got, if you'll turn it into the if message. If you'll let the Lord come in and heal that and use it and, and make it a message, yeah. And he can do that. I mean, we were just with a young lady who, uh, she has a hard time going to a dentist because of the metal things they put in their mouth. She says, I had a gun put in my mouth oh, when I was a young goodness. girl. Was that, in, was that in Rwanda? Yeah. Wow. And she was sold by her father and she was uh, raped when she was about 15, had to have an abortion and forced abortion on her and couldn't have children afterwards and wanted nothing more than to be a mom. And so, But this woman is out changing women's lives. Wow. And uh, it'd be so easy to just go, man, life handed me. Yeah. Like it totally unfair. Just be bitter and angry. Yeah. But she's not. She's the sweetest thing, adopting kids and changing women's lives and kids' lives and, and an amazing mom. She couldn't have her kids of her own, but she's just, yeah. just, anyway, there are multiple, multiple stories like that. And, and God can do that in you too. I mean, no matter what your level of woundedness is, again, God was there and he can turn all things for his glory, for his good. Which is where there's this weird verse I mentioned in the, in the, in the chapter it's a verse that Paul says this. And of course, Paul's always talking about how he's rejoicing in suffering. You're like, Paul, you crazy man. <laughs> but he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And I put that in there because I think that's a, an odd verse. Because it, it sounds like what Jesus did, like there's something that's not complete. And you're like, Wait a second. We're we're doomed if something Jesus did didn't complete. Kind of a purgatory here on earth. Yeah. I gotta suffer more to make up for what Jesus didn't complete. But I love I love the way John Piper described. I just realized I have a Richard Rohr quote right next to a John Piper quote. Very interesting. Oh, that's good. Those guys are basically total opposites <laughs> theologically. So if your book seems to be jumping around at night, it's, it's probably fights going on. That's right. John, <laughs> anyway, John Piper explains that verse. I love the way he says it. He says, what's missing is the in-person presentation of Christ's sufferings to the people for whom he died. The afflictions are lacking in the sense that they are not seen and known among the nations. They must be carried by ministers of the gospel. That's us. And those ministers of the gospel fill up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ by extending them to others. That's that sharing the message of his redemption in your life. Paul sees his own suffering as the visible reenactment of the sufferings of Christ so that they will see Christ's love for them. It's that verse in Revelation where it says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, that's Christ's work, and the word of their testimony. Like the real power gets unleashed upon the earth when you start telling people about God's amazing work Look, look how I used to be. Look what happened to me, but look what God's yeah. turned it into. 
And I think, I mean, that's the, that's the hope we have in all suffering. That's why Paul can say, I rejoice in my suffering because I know that somehow, some way in the middle yeah. of this, God's going to turn it around for something. I've said it this way, uh, your survival story can become somebody else's survival manual. Yeah. I saw that. That was a good, good quote in there. Yeah. And, and, um, I th- you know, let, let me mention something else there too, that because, uh, you know, I'm thinking of folks kind of at my age, we're sort of different stages here in our lives. And you mentioned something about uh, the young geniuses and the old masters. Yeah, I, think I love it. that. Yeah. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, because some of us. So what that is, there's a guy yeah. named Galenson, uh, Bruce or David Galenson, and he basically was trying to figure out what artists work got the most acclaim. And he found that there's kind of two kinds of creatives. There's conceptual and a conceptual is like somebody that comes upon their greatest work like early on. They just come up with a whole new way of doing things. Yeah, these geniuses. Who, yeah, wow. yeah. And then there's experimental. Um, but he finds out that the experimental artists, uh, it's writers, the people that use the experimental method, theirs, it, theirs actually has more staying power and more... The, the really, the Rembrandts, yeah. the people that we think of as... Da Vinci. The, yeah. Yeah. And they... and they So I, the, the message I got of that is, you know, sometimes... As you get older in life, you begin to wonder, man, what the heck have I accomplished? What's this life worth? You know, and um, you look back and you see these young guys are just like going and blowing and doing these amazing things. Like Raphael, like he created in his 20s, this work that just exploded. Like he was a, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. And now he's a uh, mutant turtle. Now he's a ninja turtle. Yeah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So he's he's still got staying power, but in a different way. But the point is that, you know, if if you're at a later point in your life and you kind of wonder, God's been doing stuff all along and don't give up. Don't lay it aside because you go, well, man, I can't keep up with the, these realize that all the stuff that God is building there, all those layers, there's something still that God wants to accomplish through you. Which is basically what they found with these experimental artists is what we look at, for example, the Mona Lisa, what we look at is the final like masterpiece. When they go do digital scans of it, laser scans, they actually see that the, the work has layer upon layer of change. He, he made tweaked a little mouth thing here and then changed it. Then another layer of paint because yeah. you can't erase paint, right? Right. So but it's over it. Yeah, but it's layer and layer. And as they do these digital scans, they find that what we look at as the masterpiece is actually like correction upon 20, correction, 20 yeah. to 30 layers of course to correction, redirection. And yeah. so that's encouraging to me. That's actually the way I close the book because yeah. I think so many of us were like, man, I just feel like I haven't quite landed on it. Like, yeah. Well, maybe you're about to land on it. Because is it true that Mona Lisa started with a smiley face and he and changed it? I don't. Know, I don't know. They say <laughs> they say she has a smile, but it's an odd smile, right? But yeah, a, but that's it. I mean, that that to me is super encouraging because I mean, honestly, I'm an experimental. Like, I have a bunch of friends that they were the conceptuals. Man, they figured it out really early on. Yeah. I didn't. I've been working, and I'm like, oh, this and that. And I'm I mean, to be honest, this book started out about ten years ago. Look, the, the way this concept started about ten years ago looking completely different. It was a mountain, you're going up this mountain, now it's a circle, and I'm like, that actually fits better with what it is, and I'm, thank goodness I didn't write back then because I would have had to recant what I what I believed. But, <laughs> yeah. but that's the, I think that's the key, is, it, is the further down you get in life, if you'll really look for the meaning of what God's been doing, I don't think you have to wait to the other side of eternity to see God's hand in your life. I, I think yeah. you can see right now so many ways that he was leading and guiding you. Yeah, and and those mistakes that you made in the past, you know, it's kind of the old Edison story where, you know, I, I haven't learned one way not to, I learned a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. And eventually I'll find the best way to make a light bulb, that filament, whatever that works with. 
And so all the mistakes that you've made in your life build upon those. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're not lost. They're not, now you know a thousand and one ways not to make a light bulb, That's right. not to live your life. But God is, uh, God is wanting to redeem all of those things and bring good things out of it and a message out of it. That is the message of the book. Uh, if it's been intriguing to you, go check out the YouVersion Bible app devotional, Connecting the Dots by Joelle Malm. Or if you really want to dive all the way in, go grab the book, Connecting the Dots. It is available anywhere books are sold. That means if they sell books, it's available there. People are like, what does that mean? Target has the book. Target Online. Walmart has the book. Barnes & Noble has the book. And right now, if you're listening and this just came out and it's still in pre-order phase, what that means is you can order the book now. You can order it before it comes out. And it will show up at your doorstep if you order it now. So it's a great way to do it. If you order it, they'll make sure it lands on your doorstep launch day. So you'll be the first one to get it. So pre-order now, connecting the dots, what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this with your friends on the platform of your choice. For more from Joel Malm, visit joelmalm.com. For more from Rick Malm, visit rickmalm.com. Our podcast music was produced by Alex Burleson.